Aloha and welcome to Digital Nomakes, the no fluff podcast where we reveal the reality of working remotely. A one, two, three, four. My guest today is Alex Moax, who is the founder of Frame. Alex and I met on a rooftop on Bermondsey Street last year, and he's full of energy and is going to share his experience of building a remote team who are at the center of machine learning and AI. I started off uh, in Epsom Hospital. Okay. And, um, and actually, I went to university in London over at uh, Goldsmiths University of London, where I studied history and politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been south of the river um, for most of my life, the better side of the river if anybody's visiting London. And, um, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, London, L- London is home, but I've very recently moved out of London um, for a bit of a change of scene and a bit of an adventure. Um, so, Which yeah. is exciting. Yeah, I love that. And so, so you went from history and politics. I've, I've done my research. I've done my research. And then you obviously went into producing and journalism with BBC, CNN. Yeah. So you had this awesome shift and transition between different industries. And now you're the founder of Frame. Working yeah. machine learning. Yeah, machine learning and AI and just the, 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 the worst, um, the, the, the worst uh, kind of uh, labels and titles. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I think I was going to jump on that. It's the acronyms that you work with. You must yeah. find so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AI, ML, NLP, DL, you know, the works. Nobody knows what we do. <laughs> so, so for the listeners, what is it that Frame does? And then we'll jump into... A little bit more about all those different technologies. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I worked for a bunch of um, new news companies. Basically, I started off making factual media um, and working with ITV. I actually started off on the uh, war in Iraq um, in the newsroom, and uh, yeah, we were always making packages of videos um, and putting them out for ITV, Channel Four News, um, and then broadband came along, and we started to put out video on the internet and on websites as well, and it all went that way. Um, so I've always worked with uh, rich media, factual-based rich media. And the problem with media is, you know, the problem with video and audio are that amazing, you know, formats to watch when you compare them to, say, like static image or text. But they're really difficult to get the information out of. So if I have a half an hour interview um, and I want to know what's inside it or there's some facts that I want to get out for presentation, I've pretty much got to sit there and watch the whole half an hour in real time. Mm-hmm. You can't search video. You can't really do anything with it. Um, actually, if you un- un- unpack that file itself, you just get gibberish. Um, it's just really difficult to work with. I say it's impenetrable and opaque. Mm-hmm. So what Frame does is it analyzes video. It uses um, automatic speech recognition technology, then uses natural language understanding to pick out some of the keywords and the entities. So the entities are the things. So things like you know place names or famous people, and we can kind of begin to spot this type of thing or to actually understand the meaning of the sentence. And then we can present that information to the user so they don't have to sit there for half an hour and watch the whole thing. They can just go to the bit they wanna, they, they wanna know about. That is, that is saving a lot of time. It, I, I, I mean, yeah. I can say that because even with this podcast, right, people might listen to the whole thing, but it'd be pretty handy if they could just have a little snippet. Now that's just audio, but so for the video, who are the main, how, how are people using that technology right now? So um, right now, the, the main use um, of the platform is from market researchers. So they're doing a lot of interviews and they're doing a lot of focus groups. And uh, these guys basically have to organize the interviews and focus groups. 
and then they have to conduct them and then they have to moderate them and then they have to take down notes during them at the same time they're trying to ask kind of questions which aren't leading and which are objective and things like this so they're wearing many hats at the same time and then after the interviews finished they're actually having to code up say they've done 10 interviews for a client they've got to find the patterns inside those interviews so they're re-watching their material they're re-listening to their audio files and they're actually trying to kind of make sense of it all and they're working with rich media they're working with video and audio which is an absolute dog to work with yeah. so what they do instead is they take those 10 files and chuck them into frame we analyze them for them uh, and then they're just working with text which is much more manageable they're just highlighting the sentences you know that kind of pull the story together um, so that's really how we, we help them. We do the boring bit so that they can actually do what they're very well trained to do, which is spotting the actual patterns instead of having to work with these really difficult um, file formats. So that's an interesting, I think that's an amazing user case. And I, for me, I can see it being applied to a lot more industries. I'm, I'm sure you probably think the same thing, but you can't just target everyone, can you? And be like, hey, stop watching all of this. Just break it down to this clip using frame. I mean, you know, there's so many industries that I can imagine. So we, we've had a conversation about this, so I don't want to bore listeners. They're probably thinking, wow, I could really use that. You know, some, some remote teams, for instance, when we, Hot Job, we used to do a product demo every Friday. And if you weren't there, you'd have to watch the entire one hour video. And it's just, just a pain, really. You, all, all, all you want to get is the high level, what are we getting out of this, basically? So, so yeah, I mean, I... <clears throat> You know, I have a vision of what the future looks like and, it, and it's, it's, it's a lot more kind of working with video, annotating spoken sentences inside media, mm -hmm. um, easily making super clips so that, um, yeah, you can just go, go, go to the important bits and, and make that really seamless. Um, uh, there are a shit ton, there are a ton of user cases. swear, don't worry, okay. I don't mind. It's good to okay. be aggressive. Okay, good, there are a shit ton of user cases. Um, and actually we started out being very B to C. So I'll tell you where we started out, right? We started out where I was sitting at CNN and I was looking for a, um, a clip from uh, George Bush when he was giving a press conference. We've got an archive at CNN, which is just petabytes. I mean, I guess it must be in you know, hundreds of thousands, if not million hours of video. Mm -hmm. And the only thing you can search is metadata of the files. You can search like the cameraman, location, reporter, stuff like that. Um, but you can't actually search any spoken word in a video file and for a uh for a news network with an archive that big not to be able to search it yeah seems to be nuts so we were like well let's start off with how can we make video searchable and uh, that was a jumping off point um it turned out it was very difficult to make video searchable but um um if you take state-of-the-art automatic speech recognition um, probably about in the last five years it has just come on leaps and bounds mm -hmm. um with the advent of machine learning and deep learning and larger data sets and more computational power, um, the accuracy has improved to the point that actually we can begin to do some of this stuff now. And so really what we're doing at Frame is, um, is we're, we're, we're taking that advancement, we're just applying it to video and audio. And uh, you know, half of it is very strategic and planned. Half of it is, let's see what happens. Which, which I think is a nice way to, to be, I think it's core to be flexible. Whenever you're starting anything, you have to be open to where things are going, especially with the industry that you're in, where the technology is evolving at a rate of knots that's almost pretty tricky to keep up with, right? You must have, you must have competitors just jumping out of like thin air with this new audio recognition or 
I, I mean, maybe that's just me, how I understand as it. The, uh, as the um, head of, you know, as, as the founder and the, the person trying to build this company, um, two or three times a week, I'll, I'll, I'll see something coming up at Crunchbase or I'll see some notification about some competing company who's just raised another 20 million to do something that <laughs> I wanted to do six months ago. And uh, I just throw my laptop against the wall. I must be on like laptop number eight by now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's completely frustrating and infuriating. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I have to remind myself that, you know, there isn't just one recruitment business in the world. There isn't just one sandwich shop in the world, you know. Um, so true. This world is big enough to have more than one company doing one thing. And yeah. there will be many flavors um, of, uh, of, of these type of services. We just, you know, want to be a really, really good one. Yeah. Uh, probably the best one. <laughs> probably the best one. I think, I think that's what a lot of people want and even like you've probably seen that as you mentioned on Crunchbase where someone's put together like a presentation probably not even built anything yet sold the dream and managed to raise let's say between two and five million mm -hmm. that blows my mind like the wireframe the wireframe raise for instance I, I mean it's just yeah. but at That's the same time I kind of respect that they've just gone for that and and said hey look this is this is I'm paying you the dream right now you want to you want to have this you want this I can deliver this if you give me X amount of money, but nothing's been done. Nothing's been proven because, you know, my experience has always been that I'll just go build it. I'll make this. Hey, we've got a few hundred, a few thousand people using it. But because in the, in the other investors here, they're hearing someone saying, wow, we can, we can do voice recognition from 10 meters away for, for you, for instance. It's just, you can't really compete when you want to build something truthful and honestly with those that want to actually build something that's not going to provide any use and not be validated. So, I, so, so this is for your next podcast about, uh, you know, uh, the fundraising podcast, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say there's, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for raising when you're at idea stage or raising, you know, at a kind of back of an envelope stage um, before you've actually got all, all muddy and bruised from, the, um, from, from, you know, being out in the real world. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. And, and uh, when investors make investments, they, they do, they, you know, it's not a, just about the idea, it's not about the revenue, it's about so many different things. It's about mm -hmm. your relationship with the investor, it's about the team, yeah. uh, it's about what you've done before. So, um, you know, even when you're reading these stories, you're, you're, you're only seeing a fraction of the information that actually went behind uh, that investment being made. Yeah. So, yeah, just kind of, you know, take everything with a big pinch of salt. I come from a media background, so I realize that... You, you, you know, you, you, yeah, you've got these, these, this kind of filter that we don't have. Yeah. Those yeah, that have yeah. been in that industry have no, you know, I potentially read a news article, see something flash it up. Wow, that's the truth. Or, or that, you know, but this kind of comes back to why I create Digital Nomates, which is this depiction of di being a digital nomad and having this awesome existence that you don't have anything wrong with your life whatsoever. Um, yeah, and I think you'll probably you know that that's what the media does too. So you can yeah 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 yeah. So you've got you've got, you've got to be you've got to be a little bit you know paranoid, a little bit suspicious in this world to make sense of it. Otherwise, you're just going to end up being very depressed and and you're going to end up on meds and all sorts. Yeah. So so let's talk remote. So so how many is in the team at Frame? Well, uh, so um, yeah, Frame, Frame runs a a scarily lean um, setup which is we work with developers um, mainly in Poland. So if something, if, if, if something needs attention, um, you know, we have people who will jump on it then and there whatever hour. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally, actually, what you find is that 
um, quite often you don't have work for people. You don't always have things for people to do. Yeah. And it's very frustrating when you're, you're managing a team and you're just giving them shitty little tasks just yeah. because you've got to give them something. Yeah. You would rather just say, well, actually, you're a really skilled individual and you should be working on a hard problem. I don't have a hard problem for you right now. Mm -hmm. So um, when you work with outsourcing agencies, um, they have the flexibility to kind of like swap in um, different people to different client projects at the right time. So uh, the short answer to your question is, today we have uh, two people working on frame. Um, we have one of our uh, NLP providers are changing a bit of their implementation, so we needed to change the API from one service to another. We needed to fix some other little bits and bobs that were happening. I think you know, mm -hmm. Stripe made um, some little change on their API. So we got, a, we got two people working on Frame um, just on Ruby backend. Maybe from tomorrow and the weekend, we'll have nobody and we're planning our next sprint where we'll probably dial it up to a, um, a front-end and a back-end and a designer for about two weeks. Nice. That is very lean, in fact. And one of the things that obviously you, you, you kind of get this sense with you know, any starter, whether it's SaaS, whether it's product, whatever, is you have to have a core team working nonstop. But I completely agree that that's not always the case. But a load of people, for some reason, do have to hire for the sake of hiring. And I think you highlight a really, really honest answer of, Actually, there's, there's not a load of work sometimes. Just, just hiring someone for the sake of it. And it's kind of new, this concept of an outsourced you know, agency almost. It used to be you, know, you, you outsource your work either to India or wherever it might have been. But now these, these um, developers are highly skilled and highly um, efficient in what they're doing. Is that what you're finding? Uh, it, yeah, I, I, I am finding that you, you need a different approach of management. Um, you need to... You need to really understand um, what you want um, and understand that you have, a, you have a set amount of time. There's no fat in the system. Um, you've booked them for a certain number of days. At the end of those days, they are on a different client's project. If you don't get it done mm -hmm. in shift, if it doesn't manage to go through QA, um, you know, they're not going to be available afterwards. So you need to be realistic in what, you, in, in, in what you're looking to get done. Um, you've got to be very clear. You've got to plan your jobs, um, you know, with a little bit more depth before they kick off. Because quite often you get a developer who hasn't worked on the project before. So for them, it's a new set of code. Yeah, you've got to have really good README documentation. You've got to have a really good way so that you can kind of go, well, look, we're going to kick this off on this day. This developer, I've never worked with them. They've never worked on this code before. They, they're, they're part of the company that I work with. And I obviously have my PM down at the company. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that they're going to take the morning to just familiarize themselves with the stack and with the setup. And my instructions and my documentation for this particular sprint needs to be exceptionally clear. Yeah. Um, so that I can actually get them to where they need to be um, by the end of the, uh, you know, a lot of time period. And so with the communication, what are the tools that you, because it has to be, right? For that one, especially. When Telex! <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Facts. yeah facts send them a fax <laughs> send them a fax yeah yeah yeah. get it done because it has to be though but that, that's the major difference right when you do have a geographically you know displaced team is if you don't get the message across that you're trying to all hell can break loose can't it you yeah, know yeah, yeah. such a room have you had yeah. that experience yeah, oh yeah, yeah, completely. No, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've learned the hard way. I've learned the expensive way. <laughs> um, 
the hard way is always the expensive way. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, I will I will normally do a Google Docs because um, I like to share everything with Google. Um, they're competitors, but they are. No, I do a Google Docs um, and I will really kind of like outline everything in a lot of detail. Um, I'll then share that with um, the team on Slack and share the link. They can jump in, annotate, stuff like that. Um, and then we'll obviously work on Slack. I will be dropping them a line every couple of hours to say, hey, anything you need from my side. I think it's very important. Developers generally, uh, in my experience, um, like peace and quiet, and they're quite proactive on saying I need some help or there's something going wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, you know, I don't bug them. Um, but yeah, we, I make sure that I'm available during the days that we're working on something complicated. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll dial it up to six developers. I mean, we, we sometimes have like a lot of people working on something at the same time. So we'll have the front end, the back end, you know, we'll have, you know, somebody on QA, we might have somebody, you know, some designers working on something feeding into projects. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's quite a complicated team effort to get something big out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I, I don't know necessarily if it's the software that makes remote um, possible. Um, I think, you use um, you use Slack, you use email, and you use Google Docs. Whether you're sitting next to somebody in the office, and quite often, yeah. actually, even if you are sitting next to them, um, you, you won't talk to them. Yeah, you won't talk to them, but you'll still have your conversation through yeah. these mediums because you see, speech um, speech disappears into the ether as soon as yeah, you say yeah. a word. It's it's like a, you know, it's like mist. It just evaporates. Um, and actually, that's not particularly useful when uh, you know you're a knowledge worker and you're dealing with information. It needs to be referenced and referred back to. So it is quite often better to have conversations, you know, even when you're sitting next to somebody in the office. And I know, I mean, I, you know, I come from a newsroom environment where you know the office is is more like a trading floor than an office, mm -hmm. than, than you know a traditional office with nice and quiet. So everybody shouting and on the phone. So um, so yeah, I don't think it's the uh, technology or the systems you use i think it's being able to kind of have people uh, like you and trust you and have a sense of familiarity and to um to understand their context so here in london it's a nice day over in you know poland it might be you know 10 degrees below so yeah. you can't get angry with them because they're late in for work and that's just a little bit of context and then there's also uh, cultural things i find that you know as you go east in europe um people become increasingly efficient, but they don't really have the same sense of humor as we might in, in the UK. So you might have to kind of be quite creative with your emoji if you want to use that. Yeah, but, emojis come in so handy though, don't they? When, when you're I, trying to express absolutely. anything, it's, it's, um, it's the most amazing thing with a diverse, diverse team you know, that are located where, wherever, you, as you say, like let's say take Eastern Europe, incredibly efficient, incredibly direct. And sometimes that can create immense amount of anxiety in us, in us Brits, yeah. especially who yeah. you know, might read something as um, no way, exclamation, exclamation is no way. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what, 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 what are they trying to say? And you know, I'm sure there's going to be something done to kind of help that. But the emoji, I guess, is the balanced. Uh, yeah, yeah. That we so have. now, so 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 that so now we, you know, we we come back to my day job and what I'm basically, you know, obsessed with, which is, um, you know, um, you know, communication, um, speech and text, and the difference between the two. Text strips out of speech all emotion, nuance, delivery, emotion, sentiment, you know, and 
And you've got to somehow kind of, you know, retain that communication because you're not going to be talking to these people in the same way as you were if they were sitting next to you in an office, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the remote, the remote workers frustration. Um, you, and, um, you know, you can't, you can't pick up a phone. I mean, I just, I just don't phone these guys. I mean, you know, and, and they also can't have that. You can't go into a meeting room because quite often all the meeting rooms are booked. So, um, yeah, uh, text is a really text is a really difficult medium to conduct all of your relationships with um, as a remote worker when when you're not able just to kind of wander over somebody's desk, um, especially if you're like you know I I'm I'm biz dev so I will be I, I will think like this I will quite often walk over to a developer and I will just say hey can you actually show me what the hell you do. Um, yeah. And, and, and they can explain it. I can never do that. I will go, um, you know, can you screen share me your code? That's ridiculous. So I can never really do that either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we, 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 have, we have to work around those, those constraints. But I think it's going to be a huge problem going forward because, you know, most, most communication, fine, you and I, we've spoken on the phone many times, but uh, as in like ring, ring on, on like a, a voice, a voice phone. Uh, sorry, a voice phone, a voice call. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but, but how it is? It is becoming something where we are. What year is it where you are? You're yeah, you're, you're living sorry. in like twenty twenty five. Like a, a voice, voice phone. A voice phone. One of these voice phones. Like, what are they? They they could be fantastic. Where, where you, ju <laughs> you just type in and it's this expressive voice and you read out what you're trying to say. Yeah, we could call it Biri. Something no, like so okay, so so listen. I mean, the, the, these are the things that I would I, I would say. Um, actually, I, these are the things I would say about you know remote remote um, working, running a company remotely. Um, I work I, I work in an office, uh, and I have um, marketing people here in London. I have developers over in Europe. Um, I have customers over in the states. Um, everything I do is through my computer. Mm -hmm. um, but I pick up the phone as much as I can. And I actually try and have conversations as much as I can. And I hate that thing where you go, let's find a time to talk. Just dial their number. It's normally in their email signature. And then you're talking and you have skipped that annoying back and forward scheduling stage. Pick up the phone and talk to people. Because um, I think the, you know, the, more, the more I do this, the more time I spend um, working like this, the more I realize that um, work is not necessarily only about product or productivity. It's about people. Mm. And people need people. Yeah, and so true. So we, go, we go to work to, um, you know, as much as we go to work to make money and to yeah. make things and to get things done, we go to work to make relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And when you are working in this isolated bubble of, you know, this kind of like hot desk, we work, work life. I've worked with, you know, um, we work, work life, workspace, you know, and I've always worked alone. Yeah. Uh, and I don't believe that um, these kind of the kind of the cultural meetups, which are organized, have any real value. I don't, I don't no think substance is there. there's no substance. It's uh, it's all icing and no cake. Mm -hmm. These, um, uh, arranged uh, organized socializing is awkward it's just weird it almost does the polar opposite of trying to bring people <laughs> together i think it <laughs> actually like reverses bringing people together and yeah. turns people away because you're never your actual self you, you really aren't right yeah. like, like like kind of like standing over with like a, a, a free bottle of bex and kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't i don't like you because because like, you turn up to these events and uh, 
and I don't like me because I turn up to these events as well. Yeah. Um, so, it's it's not good. One thing that they always do, though, at the work-life workspace, where, wherever it might be, is beer somehow seems to bring br bring people together in a way that you just wouldn't imagine. Like that, that's their main source. Like I remember WeWork when they first started, their major advertising was around that the fact that they had a beer tap in office, yeah. and mm. that that attracted people for for what reason? You know, I guess. Well, think. Well, I mean, think about, yeah, you know, how how much how how much time do we spend um, at work? Uh, we you know we spend the majority of our lives at work, yeah. and, and so number one is at work, number two is asleep, and then number three, by quite a, a long you know kind of way behind, is actually doing anything we want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. like sleep, I love sleep, but yeah, I mean, so so in third place is yeah. actually you know life, life. want to be doing. So if we can somehow bring a little bit of life into into work, um, no wonder no wonder that's the case. Yeah, tricky to bring it into sleep, I guess. <laughs> or is it? Or is it? Or, or is it? Yeah. Maybe that's something for Frame to explore. We could we could be digesting videos whilst we're sleeping somehow. I don't Some, know. Well, I yeah. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I, I I sleep with the world service on because otherwise my mind wanders. So um, so yeah. There's yeah. Always, there's always something in the background. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, work, work is as much about people um, as it is about getting stuff done. And you have to be aware that if you're going to go down this route of working in isolation, you need to have a lot of tricks and, um, and um, kind of uh, um, plans um, to inject people into your work mm -hmm. because they're not there. They're not, they're just not, not there otherwise. And you, yeah. you end up, you end up kind of like having your horizons increasingly shrink. So, you know, one example is, is you're managing yourself, you're managing your time, you're your own boss. Um, you know, what's allowed and what's not allowed? How, how, how should you feel after a good phone call? How should you feel after a bad phone call? Mm -hmm. When you're in an office, you can see people have bad phone calls and you can see how they react to them and how, how that stress kind of, you know, washes over them mm -hmm. and how they handle it. Um, and so it kind of, it, it gives you a, it gives you a framework to feel normal. Um, when you're on your own and you have a bad phone call, what do you do? I mean, should you, you know, who, who do you talk to? Who do you wander over? Um, you don't, do you? you just don't. You don't. You, you, it just bubbles up inside and it festers. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and you know, so there, there's no kind of reference point to normalize yourself at work when the only reference point is you and you're an echo chamber. Yeah. So it's really difficult, and you've got to you've got to be aware of these things, and and you're not you're not abnormal for feeling these things because you you know there's no boss to go. Oh, I've had a really shitty day, or I don't feel like working today, or you know sometimes I would I would go into work and I would get nothing done, right? But that was alright because I every day I saw other people in the newsroom and in the office who were also getting nothing done, yeah. and they weren't being fired, mm -hmm. so I knew it was kind of okay, <laughs> but. If you do that when you're managing your own time, you just feel bad at the end of the day. You feel like you've wasted your boss's money because you, you don't have any of these reference points. Yeah, I think reference points are yeah, super, super to have, but super tricky to, to find, especially, you know, for my, for my, my remote existence has been for yeah, two and a half years or so. And only recently have I, I realized how many people are in the same boat. <laughs> you know, there's mm. so many of us out there that wanting to, create this, create that, part of this team, part of that team, that are feeding all these emotions, but somehow have nowhere to express. And as you say, it, it, it kind of 
creeps up in, and builds up in yourself. So yeah. somehow having reference points, accountability, and, and just human conversations makes such a difference. It really does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 and being, uh, you know, uh, I don't want this to be, uh, you know, a kind of uh, therapy session or a downer, but I, I really, you know, there's no point in just talk, in, in having a conversation where, like, we, we sit further and just say, oh, my God, this is, like, you know, uh, amazing. Because it, it actually does exactly what we're, we're trying to explain isn't the reality of it um you have to uh, you know you sometimes have to witness people have a really tricky day yeah. so that you can understand how to handle a really tricky day because they will come along and when you're working alone um it's just you know it's just that much it's you know it kind of you know kicks you for six a little bit more um i'm not saying that our generation's first generation to work alone that you know they were farmers i think they pretty much work alone uh, you know <laughs> postman but they've got the fresh air to really be at one with and if something goes bad they just scream and it's just fields listening you know where it's here you are it just reverberates your anger we can't we can't scream no, um, especially not in the co-working space can you imagine the co-working space scream you'd be chucked out <laughs> i did talk about my tendency to throw computers against walls <laughs> yeah yeah. You've shifted from we work to work. Like, now, now I know the reason for all those shifts. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I keep on getting banned. Broken cubicles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, it, then I'd like to talk, and then, then I'll let you go, because I know that you're obviously very busy. Is, is this shift from uh, home space to coffee shops to now co-working space? They're popping up all over the shop. You know, you have these spaces that remote workers are, are I guess finding themselves very comfortable until I, I think there's a certain point where you realize like, is this really like, what, what am I actually getting from this? That I'm not getting elsewhere. Like, what, what do you think of the co-working space and how that's either solved or not solved uh, the remote workers pain points? Well, I think it's more of a, more of a knowledge working opportunity. So previously really um, before, before, uh, you know, connectivity and before the digitalization of everything, you physically had to be in an office because that's where the files were. The files were in this big, you know, rectangular thing with drawers. Yeah. So it just wasn't even an opportunity or it wasn't an option. Um, but now, I mean, you, you know, as, as you say, you can go into an office and you can pretty much not talk to anybody and, you know, for a whole day and then you can leave. And then you can kind of go, well, why did I even go into that office? Um, so, so I think no, this is happening. This is really happening with the majority of those working solo who go into co-work spaces have that, ha have that exact experience nearly every day, apart from maybe when they talk to those working in the co-working space versus other people joining the co-working space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an incredible existence, a, I think. No, I, 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 you know, there, there, there's a wider kind of tectonic shift around, uh, you know, uh, why we used to come together in cities because we could only get certain products and services together in cities. Mm -hmm. so, um, you needed to have a certain concentration of people mm -hmm. for certain products and services to become economically viable, and you had the city. But that's no longer the case because mm. Amazon will ship anything anywhere. Yeah. So, so you can literally get those, get those, you know, expensive slippers anywhere. Yeah. They will send them to you. Um, and so yeah. now that you don't have this actual like geographic dependency, you can work from anywhere. Uh, mm. and it opens up a huge, a huge, you know, range of options. Yeah. Um, 
but it comes with it comes with a downside that, that you know that there, there are um, you know it's tricky working on your own for long periods of time mm -hmm. um, you saw what happened to Jack Nicholson in The Shining um, and that was <laughs> and that was just one winter that okay. was a winter of, of a man <laughs> winter he lost himself there yeah yeah exactly but um, you, yeah like um, uh, <laughs> you it's really good to laugh, right? And in offices, you laugh, for example, because people are funny and you stand around and you laugh. Yeah. When you're working on your own, you laugh, people are gonna start looking at you weird. Um, yeah, true, true, true. Just sitting there juggling away. Um, so, you know, you, it's, uh, you, you won't have that same kind of dynamicness. You won't have the kind of serendipity of, you know, crossing over and having those water cooler moments and things mm -hmm. where it's just fun to be around people because people are fun. Yeah. Um, so there's a real downside. So I, I say the thing about, you know, remote working is you've got to have some strategies in place mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you're across the productivity and you're shipping and you're getting every day what you need to get done done. Mm -hmm. But you've got to have an understanding that you need some strategies to make sure that, you know, you're smiling and you're laughing and you're living and stuff like that. And you're enjoying tips and tricks to keep it real. I love it, man. I think we're going to wrap up there. Okay, nice. There we go. So Alex is awesome. We met on a rooftop on Bermondsey Street and he has offered me some incredible advice. I kind of consider him more of a mentor uh, because I do think he fully gets working remotely, especially the human side. He wants to have as much fun. And I love how he, he kind of puts that we have this three tier of either work comes first, then we sleep for X amount of hours and then we can live our life. So if you can bring some of that into the workplace, it helps an awful lot. And I'm sure that Alex would definitely offer loads of people advice. If you want to reach out to him, you can do it. Alex at frame.com.